This week on Tales from the Cosmic Bathtub, my co-host Matthew and our producer Andy discuss Advent, especially looking at the different parts of the human being and the way that each of these weeks that progress toward Christmas explore a different facet of the human makeup. Enjoy. We realize that we are just two individuals who are part of this global educational movement, and we want to be very clear that we are only speaking from our own experiences and from our own impressions. We do not presume to speak for the Waldorf movement as a whole. I wanted to start by um, reading uh, just from the first chapter of Theosophy, uh, uh, quotation, a quotation from, from Goethe. So uh, Steiner starts chapter one by saying, the following words by Goethe beautifully characterize the starting point of one of the paths that lead to being able to recognize the true nature of the human being. So this is from Goethe. As soon as we become aware of the objects around us, we start to consider them in relationship to ourselves, and rightly so, because our fate depends entirely on whether they please or displease, attract or repel, help or harm us. This very natural way of looking at and assessing things appears to be as easy as it is necessary, yet it exposes us to a thousands to thousands of errors that often put us to shame and make our lives miserable. We undertake a much harder task when, in our keen desire for knowledge, we strive to observe natural objects in and for themselves and in their relationship to one another. For we soon feel the lack of the standard of liking and disliking, attraction and repulsion, usefulness and harmfulness, they came to our aid when we were considering objects in relationship to our human selves. We are forced to renounce this standard totally and, as dispassionate and quasi-divine beings, to seek out and examine what is and not what pleases us. This means that neither the beauty nor the usefulness of any plant should move true botanists who should rather study its morphology and its relationship to the rest of the plant kingdom, just as the sun shines equally on all plants and entices them forth, so too should botanists observe and survey them all impartially, <clears throat> and survey them all impartially, and take the data and standards for their assessment, not from the human domain, but from the domain of the things under observation. In this episode, uh, episode two of Tales from the Cosmic Bathtub, uh, I have Andy Smith here with me in the studio. Hello, Welcome. everybody. Thank you. Yeah. And we wanted to do a couple things today. We wanted to talk about the Festival of Advent, and um, we wanted to talk about the threefold and the fourfold human being in relationship to the, to the Festival of Advent. And then I want to just continue by what Steiner says about this quotation from Goethe. Steiner, Dr. Steiner says, Goethe's thoughts draw our attention to three different kinds of things. 
First, the objects we constantly receive information about through the gateways of our senses, the things we touch, taste, smell, hear, and see. Second, the impressions they make on us, which assume the character of liking or disliking, desire or disgust, by virtue of the fact that we react sympathetically to one thing or are repelled by another, or find one thing useful and another harmful. And third, the knowledge we, quote, quasi-divine beings, quote, unquote, acquire about the objects as they tell us the secrets of what they are and how they work. This always reminds me of compost. <laughs> you know, as a, as a child, you think, what is that disgusting pile of stuff you're keeping in the kitchen? It's got coffee grounds in it and yeah. lemons and may, may, maybe not, depending on where you are with you know, citrus <laughs> in there. But once you have, you know, once you have knowledge that this is actually very healthy stuff you're going to feed the soil with, you have a different relationship with it. Yeah. You no longer smell that, like, with disgust. You almost kind of want to open that lid of that compost pile and <laughs> smell the goodness, you know, that pungent yeah. know, goodness. Yeah, yeah. That's an exact uh, example of something that, that repels us. I also often think about dog poop in, in, in this kind of situation because we have an immediate repulsion from, from you know, interacting with it usually right ah oh, you got to pick that up yeah really <laughs> yeah exactly and the impression you guys have to pick this up now and take it and put it in the trash you know yeah so so steiner talks about you know these three different ways of linking to the world and he directly talks about that in terms of our physical body our soul body and then our spirit body and um and and so our physical body is you know the, our, you know, our organs, our skin, our bones, our muscles, muscle systems, um, you know, all of our bodily systems. So, you know, we're assuming that we are fully functioning human beings. You know, we have eyes that work, right? Otherwise, we would be blind. So, you, we, we have sensations, and our physical body is what allows us to experience the world around us. Is, those are my words. And by the way, of course, talking about my own limited um, understanding of what of what all this is. Yes, so. please note the disclaimer at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> These so, are just words. <laughs> These are harmless words. Right. And so then once we have the ability and our organs and, and our processes are, are normal, are, are op operating normally. So the, for this, in the sake of we can hear sounds, we can see um, light and, and uh, well, you can't really see light, but uh, that's my science background. But you, we, we were stimulated by, by um, colorful flowers. Exactly. Right? And we exactly. smell them. And, and we smell them and everything works. So then we get to the second layer, this, what Steiner talks about as the, the, the soul body of the human being. And this is the realm where we relate things to ourselves. So we have impressions um, of, of the information that we gather through the gateway of our senses. So we have what he, what he talks about as sympathetic reactions and antipathetic or and or um, antipathy, or he also calls it as um, kind of a rejection or a, a, 
uh, uh, being repelled by by that. And again, that's an example of seeing, smelling a flower that you like, or seeing something that is good, or smelling the compost or the dog poop or something. That's an example of something that's usually a repulsion, but also can have deeper meaning because we have then this third body, right? So we have the ability then to think about our impressions. So this, we've gone from the world of the physical senses, and then we have our sensations about those and our, our personal reaction to our sensations. And then we also then have in the spirit body, that's where the thinking comes in, right? So the, it's the thinking then that makes us realize that there are laws beyond ourselves. And so uh, Steiner talks about looking up at a starry sky and we can admire the stars on, on a dark night and, and think, wow, those are, that's really a beautiful you know, starscape and I'm feeling very uplifted by that. And at the same time, our thinking, we can say, okay, but the laws of, of, you know, of cosmology and you know, how the stars move and what's going on, that is a process above, above or beyond myself. Right. I think that's how I would characterize Absolutely. all of that. Absolutely, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the other interesting thing, and I just want to point this out, is that um, we use our spirit body to acquire information or as, as for the objects, for them, for the objects or the processes or beings of the world as they tell us the secrets of what they are. So we also use our thinking, our spiritual body to uncover secrets that, that what we're studying wants to reveal to us. So there's a dynamic in play where, and it's hard to describe, but I'm imagining if you're researching something for a long time or you're work, wrestling with a problem, um, I've seen this in math, for example, you you're working on a problem and you're working on a problem and something will then reveal itself either through your sleep or something. And, you know, so it's like that there's a, a communication happening that the, that what you're focusing on will speak to you uh, of itself. If you're listening. Um, well, I always think of this as the experience that, you know, agricultural communities mm, had mm. that vegetal experience of having those plants come back every year in return. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, okay. So that's the threefold human being, the, the physical, the soul and the spirit bodies. And then when we talk about Advent and this time, um, before Christmas, we're actually looking then at the human beings from a different perspective in which is often called like a fourfold view of the human being. So what do you remember, Andy, from your studies about the fourfold human being? Oh, about the fourfold. Well, I, you know, again, I just, in preparation, I kind of brushed up on my uh, reading of theosophy last night. But uh, yeah, so the fourfold human being, this is the, the physical body of our, that we have. Um, our etheric or life body, uh, our astral or feeling body, and then our ego. Right, right. And so it's hard sometimes, I think, as a, I've 
taught science and to try to reconcile a modern scientific understanding from what Steiner, Dr. Steiner was talking about, you know, a hundred years ago. Well, but, even as he talks about that kind of actually gets in the way. Yeah. And then also I think what gets in the way is just the way our, our vocabulary itself. It's hard to talk about things when even our language is so material. So we are talking about a spiritual body. It's not an actual body. It's more like Sometimes people have said she's or, you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, you, it's, it's, it, we have an, a language problem when we're dealing with spiritual topics and then yet we have a materialistic basis for a language. So um, anyway, but to go back to this, so in thinking about like, is there examples of each of these bodies? And I think really when you talk about the physical body, that's your corpse. That's what's left Right. After you die. After life processes stop, yeah. your body returns to right. you know, and, where, and, where it was. It begins to decompose and decay. And, and something was there that's now gone. Right. And so that is literally your corpse. And and I've I've understood that when you die, you know, like your fingernails will grow for about three days before it stops and stuff like that, which is you know, so there's the, the, the life force is very, very strong, but the, the corpse is just kind of the, the stuff, um, it's the, the bones, it's, yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> it's, it's really just the stuff that's left over at, at, in, in corpse form after the life body and the other bodies have departed. Um, and, and is so, that the mineral body? Yeah, that's the mineral body. So okay, to, to, to link this back to this festival of Advent, because this is actually a hopeful time. Not <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, yes. um, but this is the first layer. This is the mineral kingdom. We're talking bones and stones. And, um, and that's the first week of the Advent. The first week of Advent, right. And, and, you know, when things go wrong with the physical body, the best often the cure is to go to sleep and to allow your life body to do the repairs. Okay. Yes. Okay. So this is what a lot of modern day healers, you know, believe where the the, the body has its inherent ability to heal itself. Exactly. It's not the body has its ability to heal itself. It's actually when you're resting, that invites the life body to come exactly. in and do its restorative work. The right. life body does many things, but one of them is right. And so work. the life body is very rhythmical. It's it, it 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 bases itself on rhythm. It has patterns. It you know you have cycles, um, sleep cycles, all kinds of, of rhythms and cycles. Um, and then, so when we talk about the life body, um, it is everything that keeps yourself alive. And most of this stuff is completely unconscious, right? We're talking about digestion. We're talking about breathing and your blood pumping through your body. Like we don't have a, a consciousness of how that all works. It just happens kind of below the threshold of consciousness. And thank goodness, because who would really want to be thinking about, you know, they're digesting their last meal, right? right. It's, and again, my favorite, you know, again, playing into this, you know, interplay between uh, Steiner and, and, and Carl Jung, yeah. right? That, you know, Carl Jung described consciousness as a circle. And that, you know, you, you, have, you have, you draw yourself a circle and then you draw yourself a line that's maybe 10% from the top of the circle. So just this little bit of crest. And that's actually your waking consciousness and everything below that line is right. your subconscious processes. Right. How much bile is your gallbladder going to secrete into your, you know, exactly. if we had to think about all that stuff, we would, geez, you know, we'd yeah. never learn how to smell. <laughs> right. And so, um, because it's rhythmical and very strong and um, 
unconscious, um, we usually don't really get a sense of it until there's something really wrong. Right. Right. I mean, you have a stomach ache or you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh, that I just don't feel well. That's broken an arm. You can tell something's wrong. (laughs) Um, But that's kind of another um, pointer towards towards your life body, also called the etheric body. Um, Nothing to do with ether. uh, Steiner, Dr. Steiner talks about it's just a name. Right. Just another word. Yes. Yeah. So. um, okay, so. And it's really interesting with the life body is a formative force. It, it, it actually helps to create, you know, our organs and our bodies. And in, in terms of education, it goes quite deep, but um, we'll be coming to that. But anyway, so the second week of Advent after the, the minerals uh, are the plants and the plants, all plant life is um, a, a part of the life body of the etheric uh, forces. So really it's growth, it's upright growth, um, seeking the sun. Um, sun seeking, yeah. Sun seeking, yes. yeah. And, and so then um, we come to the third of the four um, bodies in the human being, and that is the astral or the feeling life or the life body. Um, also called astral body. There's lots of different names. And this is representative uh, represented in the animals. So the third week of Advent is the celebration of the animals. And it's, it's the, it's, you know, so we're talking about the world of sensation. So we share a lot of common sensations and feelings with animals. Um, and, and yet just to distinguish, there's no, I don't think any animal that worries about, you know, their birthday or, you know, what, you know, maybe they're worried about what's for lunch, but they don't have a choice between, you know, Chick-fil-A and, you know, whatever (laughs) Chipotle, you know, there's no that kind of consciousness, right? It's not that kind of feelings and, and thought. I, I might want to defer a little bit on this this idea of the the world of sensation and uh, the 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 week of the animals. Um, we have this very interesting relationship in anthroposophy with the the form of the human body. Yeah. Right. There's this idea that the the human body is actually the least differentiated. Right. Uh, birds to make the decision to fly, for example, they had to choose to you know do away with a lot of their um, intestinal tract, so they'd be light enough to fly and also have hollow bones. Right. And then there's this other animal that's relied on a lot, the, the beaver, uh-huh. has this innate sense, um, this drive or sensation to do what it does. Right. And it does its thing very well and doesn't actually think about it very yeah. much, right? Is that is that what we're talking about? Or I mean, I think so. I think you know, and I remember in, in my early grades, there was different animals, you know, like head animals. There's animals that are like trunk animals. There's animals that are like limb animals. Um, and so, but I think what, what you're saying is, you know, there's, 
there's instinct. And then so like no one teaches, the beaver doesn't learn how to be a beaver. It just knows instinctively how right. to be a beaver. We don't know how to be a beaver. We actually have to go to engineering school and, right. learn, and learn a lot. Yeah. Right? We actually have to learn something to yeah. do what it is that beavers do right. naturally. Right. Or or like birds fly. Right, know? right. So in, in that sense, I think that just from our physical the way we're made, our hands are very uh, undeveloped. They're not. They're unspecialized because it's like they're not feathers. They right. don't need to be used to fly. They yes. Right, but the human being has been the form of the human being allows us to be multiple things because of the, the our hands being what they are. We can create. You know, we can create wings and in, in an airplane and fly. Or we you can, look at how we build a building, right? There yeah. are some humans that are really good, like diggers. <laughs> they dig the stuff out. And other ones that are very good at, you know, building the structure and being the umbrite form and those sorts of things. Yeah, I think I think so in, in, in general terms, um, for sure. Yeah. But I think I'm getting as far afield. Um, so week three of Advent, animals and the world of sensation, how it relates to our feeling body and the world of... Yeah. Sensation. And I think this is often a, a ending point. Uh, this can be a potential dangerous ending point for, for human beings, right? To be trapped in the worlds of, in the astral storms of, of adolescence. And, you know, in, and then what, what in a Waldorf school is comes next. And I think in life general, but we have, we don't often get formal schooling is, is then the development of the ego body, the, the I, the, the consciousness, um, soul of the, of the human being or the consciousness of the human being. And this is where you have, again, self-directed, um, sensations or, 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 or thoughts. I mean, but it's where thinking comes in. So you, you have the ability to sense things, but then it's not just, Ooh, I like it. I don't like it. Okay, let me go over here. You know, it's not a base basic level of you know survival. It's more like, hmm, what would I like for lunch today? You know, <laughs> and and you know, so there's a there's a there's a level of 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 thinking that gets added in, and then you, the 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 ego body is kind of the newest member of the human um, constitution. Well, this is what Eurythmy invites. Mm-hmm. the students too, yeah. right? Rise above this world of sensation and right. this wildness that you're feeling and the, the, the yes, the wildness of the time. Absolutely. Let's just say. And um, the choice, right? I'm going to set aside my body's desire to just run around and yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to do this very intentional thing. You know, I'm it, it begins as I'm being forced to do this very intentional thing, but you know, I, I, ideally we move towards this choice. Yeah, you know? exactly. Well, and I think that is it. I mean, it's, it's, it's how do you concentrate, right? Because thinking you actually have to get a, grab a hold of thinking and train it. Otherwise you lose it. It's easy not to think about things. And lots of, lots of companies want you not to think about things just buy my product and everything will be okay. Right. Well, especially, you know, uh, products like alcohol. And again, <laughs> this is where, you know, addiction happens when people are kind of stuck in the world of sensation. This, my, my, my direct experience with this was with cigarettes. Mm-hmm. You know, I actually had an experience where suddenly I made this connection that this thing that seemed very cool didn't make me feel very good. Mm-hmm. And then I actually had a choice to, you know, have a cigarette or not. Yeah. Yeah. 
Exactly. And so I think a lot of Eurythmy, the lessons that I remember, I mean, especially my seventh grade Eurythmy teacher, bless her heart, spent all year with us trying to do one Eurythmy exercise. And now it wasn't every time, but we, we practiced every week. We tried to do it. And it was this uh, Eurythmy form where we were all working walking in a circle and then spiraling in and then making a smaller circle on the inside and then spiraling back out again. And we had a, a rod in our hand as we were spiraling in and, and then, and she, the goal was to do it perfectly. And it literally <laughs> took all year. And and as, as, it, as the school year got towards the end of the year, she, we would practice it two or three times in a lesson, and then we'd move on. And you could tell she was... Sections too, right? Yeah, I mean, just like every week, we had like five minutes try, trying to do this form, and then we'd move on. And then and you could tell she was, they were like... It got to the point where we were all starting to realize like, oh, our teacher really wants this to happen. And, you know, it was always like, it was like... At the beginning of the year, there was like 10 people who couldn't figure out what we were doing. And then it got less and less. And by the end of the year, it was like one or two people would, you know, mess something up. And, um, and, and, it, and it was a complicated, for seventh grade, it was complicated because we were moving. We were also moving our arms and the seven, passing I think it was a sevenfold exercise. And no, we weren't passing rods, I don't think. But we were, we were walking and, and were moving rods. rods. It wasn't that complicated. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably complicated. But. It was super complicated. But, you, but the point was we all had to be in tune with each other. And I remember we got to like one or two people and then all of us students were starting to get upset with the people who weren't tuning in. And then, and then it happened. It was like, I think it was in April and we, we did the exercise and it, we did it perfectly. And I kid you not, our Eurythmy teacher, she like shed some tears. Right. <laughs> it was, yeah. What did that feel like? What did that feel like for you? In that well, moment? we had finally tuned into each other and finally everybody was on board and it was like, so precious. And then of course we all just went back to, you know, being seventh graders, but right. it was that one moment. It was like, it was like that ping, you know, like it just happened. It just worked and it was felt really good. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was, yeah. Felt really good. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Um, wow. That was a tangent. Where, yeah. where well, when, we? when, when we do oh. get to having a bigger conversation on Eurythmia, I'd like to be part of that just because of my martial arts background, you know, yeah. such a, such a big part, but yes, this, this, oh, this oh concentration, idea choose. Yeah. Yes, and concentration, concentration and thinking. And, and, and I mean, there's so, there's such a vast literature on the exercises that Steiner gave in terms of training our thinking. Um, because so it's it's not very well taught and and there's just an amazing amount of bs that goes through our minds that is when we're untrained when we we're not conscious of undisciplined and we're undisciplined and we're untrained and you know it's even you know for me i often think about like um earworms you know like they drive me crazy you know and i find myself singing it and i sing it again and it's like oh i'm you know, how do I, I have to be like more, con- I realize I'm not conscious of my thinking because these earworms can come in. Yeah. And not being, you know, that, that, that's why I love travel so much is, uh, the things that you, I do in the morning, yeah. um, that are usually very, that should be rhythmic, 
that suddenly I have to think about. Yeah. And I always hear people, you know, who who don't like to think like, oh, gosh, I hate traveling because I can't find this. I can't find <laughs> that. Right. Because you know, it's hard to think. Yeah. And if you have to do that constantly, you know, starting with, you know, what are you going to eat in the morning? Yeah, you're pretty, you're, you're more tired. Right. And our culture kind of caters to the, you don't need to think. Right. It's not an easy, there's no easy outs. Right. Yeah. Our modern culture definitely pulls us to the world of sensation. Yeah, you know, it definitely, definitely emphasizes that. Us, yeah, you know? yeah. Well, and I, I mean, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of strategies to when the goal is to make money, right? Like how there's very smart people doing a lot of thinking about how to take away those kinds of markers that would allow us to wake up and to be more conscious. I, I think of a, an example of like a casino that takes all the clocks out of the gambling room. So you right. don't, open, oh my windows. God, it's three yeah. in the morning, you know? Or no. right. yeah. <laughs> There's this invitation for us to rise to mm-hmm. what is the fourth week of Advent or... Yeah, the, 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 the ego body, you know, so the consciousness, um, the seat of consciousness in the human being. And so in Advent, we, we celebrate those four weeks. In the Waldorf School, um, we had songs, we verses. Um, in my, personally, my family had a little Advent garden. And so we placed, um, you know, different minerals and rocks and seashells for the first week and then dried plants and wooden animals and and then had you know really the shepherds and and then you know mary and joseph you know we had a little um needle felted figurines that came into the scene and um the three kings actually by and three kings day and stuff like that and for me um when i think of this festival time it was really advent and then the shepherds play that really was the heart of of this season for me personally and um and really, yeah, just colored the whole, this whole time in school. And I guess when we talk about these dirty words, you know, you know, the, the coming of the Christ, you know, ooh, you know, that sounds kind of, that sounds kind of religious, you know, it's, uh, people have these, uh, especially today, have these relationship with words, which again, pulls them back in the world of sensation and seems to discourage them from actually, well, think about this for a minute, yeah. you know, what, what do you, what do you think we mean? Mm-hmm. When we say we're preparing for the Christ, we're inviting the Christ. Like, what, what is that, Matthew? Well, I mean, for me personally, uh, I think I, I really resonate with what Steiner talked about as Christ being the representative of, the, of humanity. Um, and I know that's a Western tradition um, coming out of a Western spiritual stream and I, I'm, That's okay. a, I'm a part for, of that stream. We will forgive you because yeah. again, we'll draw attention to our very carefully crafted disclaimer uh, at the beginning of every Hard Beast podcast, right? Uh, right. But I, I think, um, you know, it, I personally look at, at Jesus as the representative of the human being in the spiritual world. And um, there's, there's a sculpture that Steiner uh, was working on that, you know, Christ as the representative of humanity. We had a gesture going up and a gesture, his arms going down and representing... This is where we need a true eurythmus. What, what yeah, gesture yeah, is that? Exactly. Say, oh, that's the, the... Yeah, and so that's, you know, looking the at these two forces. Yes. Yeah, these two other spiritual... I mean, there's when we look at the spiritual world, uh, it was kind of 
eye-opening to me to realize that, you know, there's, there's beneficial spiritual beings in the world and, and, and adversarial uh, spiritual beings in the world. Well, so is this where we're talking about Araman and Lucifer? Araman and Lucifer, particularly. Well, also what's confusing is they both have benefits. Exactly. Right? They both, have, if, if you have too much of one, you know, it's un. Yeah, not, not unhealthy, but unhygienic, you know. Yeah, uh, and so and it's all of all. It's very Aristotelian in the sense that there always has to be a balance between the two, and so. Well, no, there has to be a balance. I, I think he did refer like the, 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 this is a, this isn't a static thing. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. not a static thing for sure. <laughs> Any of us who have lived human lives for sure, yeah. Um, but you you have in in the astral body, you have this ability to. Um, go way overboard, right? And that's, for an anthroposophist, that would be, or that that would be, you know, kind of going towards the Luciferic, I'm sorry, yes, Luciferic, Lucifer, you know, the, the stream, like the, 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 let me just delight you, delight your, your senses to death, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything is, everything is so great and, you know, so much glitz and glamour and, and you've just lost yourself. And then on the other hand, I often think, um, of, well, actually, I think of Batman, but anyway, <laughs> we can go. We can go into the anthroposophical backgrounds of, of Batman some another time. But you have this Aramonic figure, which is a, it's it's as equally a, a, a an adversarial spiritual force, but it's it's the opposite. It's it's cold and calculating and um, very rigid, and it's it's like when you take form into complete chaos. It's it's but chaos in this like. You know, Araman never wants to be seen. You never want—he never wants his name to be said. This is the uncle who, at, at Thanksgiving, who's not happy unless everyone else is miserable. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and and then you have, but so you have this kind of calcification, kind of this kind of um, almost digitization or mechanization of of a human being. Um, at totally absent of human emotion, right? right? Over mechanization. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And so that's kind of, so that's Araman. So then you know you have people who who really like that because of its clarity, right? There's no messy emotions. I, I don't actually know what you're saying. Are you smiling at me? Are you upset with me? Just you know, just give me insert Matthew's famous eye roll. You know? <laughs> Yes, it's nice little 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 tell. He likes to uh, flutter his eyes and roll his eyes sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And people like to get people like to get upset at him. Oh, very it's, much it's, so. It's, very it's... much so. <laughs> so anyway, so those are the two. I mean, there's many. There's others, obviously, but that those are the two that um, I work with. I guess. I mean, we all work with them in different ways. But you know, are we being too cold and calculating? Are we being too? emotionally flying off the handle kind of thing. And, uh, and then being in the center of that is a process of, of becoming conscious, raising consciousness, you know, being aware of what you're feeling and thinking, you know, in the moment. Right. This this tool gives you what, you know, what is my body wanting? Mm -hmm. And is that, Mm -hmm. is that good for me? You know, my body's hungry, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to go for a hike or I've gone on a big hike and like my body's depleted. Right, right, and and then in, 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 but more than just so in those senses and in those sensations, Steiner actually talks about having twelve senses of this body. These are body. my favorite. Yes, I love the twelve senses. And so there's there's the four 
foundational ones, and then there's four kind of middle ground ones, and then there's the four highest ones, and in those senses, sound being one of them, but then there's also these senses. Well, it's just like the sense of the word. Of the word and the thought. Yeah, yeah. The sense of word, the uh, sense of word for the word and the sense for the thought. So it's also being conscious, I think, is, is an act of listening. Like how, and if I'm in a group or I'm just here with you, am I, am I conscious enough to understand myself, but I'm also conscious enough to start to understand who you are and where you, Andy, are thinking and feeling. And, you know, you mentioned my eye roll just recently, but like, you know, you were aware enough that I, that I was doing that. And, and we, we, as human beings can develop these higher senses and start to I think bridge a lot of differences um, that way. Well, something else to touch on here is um, the the astral or the the feeling body isn't something. <clears throat> well, there are hints to it, but you can't necessarily tell how someone else is feeling in mm-hmm. their feeling body. I mean, you, you can tell in their life body, like that person's not doing too well. Mm-hmm. But that 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 feeling body is something that's very personal to me. Right. And I have uh, humans have this ability to kind of share that the ability to share what can't be seen. Right, right. And so, uh, if I may, then... And that's the act of the ego body, right? Kind of bringing yeah, us back to the classroom. Exactly. And, and then, Which, again, is the fourth week of... The Advent. fourth week, right. And then, and then... Or the week of... What is it? Is it... I, what is the... I know it's the... The, the, the ego the body. I mean, ego or the human being. Right. It? It's a celebration or, of the human being. Okay, very good. Yeah, yeah. But, but also at that time is is this this the shepherd's play and i think which was a real gift for me i got to play be in the shepherd's play with yeah. you and again um yeah it was it changed my relationship with with christmas in such a beautiful way right uh, really having participated in that yeah i i acted in the shepherd's play for for i think almost 18 years wow uh I, one year i was a the star singer but that role didn't fit me. And actually in the history of, of, of the shepherd's play, the roles would be passed down through families. Right. I remember this. Uh, (laughs) So I played this, I played all the shepherds at least once, but multiple times, but what's interesting. And I think the connection here is that, you know, the, it's the shepherds become archetypes. I mean, everybody in that play are archetypes, Mary and Joseph, obviously, and, and, and Jesus and, and the innkeepers and, and everybody. But when, you look at the shepherds specifically in the shepherd's play, it's very interesting um, what each shepherd focuses on and what they experience. Um, Just as a short example, when the shepherds are lying on the ground and the archangel sings to them, one shepherd says, ah, what is that ghost doing? And then, and then, you know, only one of the shepherds says, oh, I hear the singing of an angel. And so it's very interesting when you dive into the, what the shepherds say and, 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 you know, what is, what's said about them, how the shepherds are kind of a model for, for a humble human existence. Right. Yeah. (laughs) It's a beautiful thing. It really is. I'm not sure if you know um, Dennis Klocek, but he he talked about the four four bodies um, of a river. He he talked a little bit about the physical, the etheric, the astral, and the ego 
of a river. And if okay. you're interested, I could go through that. No, I think that'd be a great example of you know another kind of tool to use to kind of explain mm-hmm. what what, are, what exactly are you talking about, Matthew? Yeah. Okay, so I'm doing this from memory. So, um, yeah. So we're imagining a river. So it's a river, and the, and, and and there's a. a Body of water. I mean, you can think of the Mississippi. You could think of the Colorado. Colorado going through the Grand Canyon. Yep, exactly. Okay. So the physical body of the river, and this is according to Dennis Klocek, um, is not the water. It's the the land. It's 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 the earth. It's the shape of the earth that the that carries the water. That carries the water. So the, the channel. The channel. Yeah. Um, and trench exactly yeah and and the really, perhaps right and the, the <laughs> str- <laughs> could be a little asakia for sure and it's it's the strength of the stones it's the geometry literally the geometry but the you know it, are the stones that the water is flowing over tough or is it is it a, you know does it erode easily and this is fascinating because again you look at river rock from different rivers and they 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 interact with the rock of the area differently yeah yeah, yeah. and and it's that those are the things that if the river were to quote unquote die or you know dry up that's, that's what corpse that's what stays there right the that's dry the river corpse, bed the okay. dry riverbed so the riverbed is the physical body an arroyo yeah an arroyo <laughs> and so then you have what gives the river life is the water itself. So the flowing chemistry of the river. Something happens upstream. Right. And there's a destination downstream and you're somewhere in the middle. Right. And this thing's going to come and move through it. And and that movement is a gesture of the etheric. So that's, that's when we say cycles and rhythms and when that you, that's all that happens through the movement of the water. So the water, while it has a physical physicality, I mean, H2O, I'm not saying that it doesn't have that. Well, this is where science gets in the way. You're like, water, water has a body. It's, a, it's like you're, you're right. missing the metaphor. You know, right, you're being right. too literal. But, but you, again, it's like, it's like it's the water that gives life to everything. So that's the etheric body. And then the astral body... Um, the feeling, uh, the, right? Yeah. Well, I should say that it's also all the chemistry. I mean, there's thousands of chemical reactions that happen in a river. You're talking about mud and, I mean, all kinds of stuff. Silt. And, and, and the life forms and, you know, the comp- decomposition and, and all that stuff. You uh, Water erodes the minerals and the minerals are carried. I mean, everything. We're just going to glance over that complicated <laughs> stuff for the time being. <laughs> just, yeah. But the point is, is that that mineral, the, that, that, that mineral load, the... the the sediment load is being carried by the water. And then the astral body is equivalent to like the depositions when you go to a river bend. So when you, when the river turns in its channel, there are deposits, there's deposits because the water moves at different speeds. Yes. And so the water that's flowing faster around the outside of the curve, it doesn't deposit. It gets deeper. It stays deeper, right? Yeah. yeah, Towards the inside of the curve, it's shallower where it's slower and silt is deposited. Right. The water slows down and deposits what it's carrying. So then you start to build up these deposits and those are equivalent to your emotional life. Matthew's eyes are going crazy. (laughs) (laughs) That's because I'm using my imagination. Ah, so there there you go. That's what that is. So uh, it makes me a little embarrassed, but okay. So, um, so, so you get these deposits and then 
you have in your feeling life, you know, the deposits can get really quite big. And to the point where even in a river, you start to, you know, you start to actually form a blockage. Wow, you can walk on the this. flow. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a really funny part that um, that Dennis he he just is a really is a master storyteller in this, but he he talks about these these deposits becoming overbearing, and that's when we have emotional, you know, we need emotional Arterial breakthroughs. Sclerosis. Yeah, well, I we need emotional the... breakthroughs, like literally, like it could be like a midlife crisis, right? And then to to go to get over to get through that to open up the flow again, you have to have you know a major intervention or or major event happen. You need to have some heavy etheric. You need to have, yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, a midlife crisis stuff or or it's something that, that blows out, you know, that blockage and allows the flow to happen again. Right. Which, again, sometimes can actually be a bad experience. Something bad can happen, right. which can propel you to, you know, right. consciousness right. and to realizing you have a choice. Right. And, um, and so I'm sure then we're wondering how we get to the consciousness part. And um, in the river. Yeah. Yeah, in the river. So I know that. So the deposits... In the river, and then the ego body is the ability to think through the entire watershed okay. and say, "Okay, a river is is the whole thing." Right. It's not just the bank I'm standing yeah. on. It's not I the have corpse. to expand my vision. It's not the it's not the riverbed. It's not just the water. It's not the deposits. It's not all the life. It's not the fact that you know water moves from mountains to ocean or anything but it's it's encompassing the whole i think that's where um dennis left it in in that example but that also could have i could have just made that up because <laughs> it sounds good it sounds good because at least it, it brings it back together as the whole so. yeah yeah which is a very anthroposophical thought you know thought yeah as it were <laughs> so there we go that's how the fourfold human body relates to advent yeah we have a physical body an etheric life body, an astral feeling body, and then this ego thinking thing. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> again, this is there's an evolution towards this yeah. as 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 we age. And again, this is what we're celebrating during Advent. The first week we're celebrating minerals, rhythms that we celebrate. Second week, plants, the life body. Uh, third week, the world of sensation. And again, kind of inviting ourselves up to this this penultimate challenge of mm -hmm. really thinking about these things yeah and the fourth week of advent and yeah. also our choice to do this during the the how do you call it not the you don't you, you can't say it the longest nights but the well i mean the winter solstice right yeah yeah the yeah. longest the longest the nights of the year the, the, the most darkness yeah the rhythm of most darkness <laughs> well i think what really what we're saying is is that this is the moment when we could be most overcome in physical darkness, and so and give into our and yes. give into our lower natures. But what we celebrate is the hope that that the light comes back. In three more months, yeah, we have this experience that the plants will start coming back. Yeah, if we're hunters, the animals might start coming yeah. back. Yeah. yeah, and and the sunlight being also. I mean, whether it's you know. Ahura Mazdao or, or Christ being, I mean, whatever divine being we're talking about, but there's so many of them that's connected to the sun. Well, and so again, the, 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 for example, the rhythm of, um, night 
today. Yeah. Right. Gives hint to that. Right. Yeah. And we can mm-hmm. use that experience to talk about right. something beyond that, which again, isn't something we know that animals do. <laughs> yeah. Well, not self-consciously probably. Yeah. Well, great. Well, thank you for having me, Matthew. Thank on you. This very special cosmic bathtub. Yeah. Um, you'll get a little bit more of my biography in a future episode. Great. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you. This concludes another episode of Hard Beeswax. Thanks for listening. For episodes and more, much more, visit our website at hardbeeswax.transistor.fm. Find us on Facebook and Instagram, or you can always email us at hardbeeswax at gmail.com. Hard Beeswax would not be possible without the expertise and time of Andy Smith, our producer and sound whisperer, who has been our hype man from the beginning. And lastly, thanks to you, our listeners, for tuning in with us and sharing in the absolute magic brought by our guests. Your support means the world to us. You have our utmost gratitude.